views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Welcome to Transformation Talk Radio. Um, We have started something pretty exciting, and that is our good news segments. And each month, we plan to bring you some of the latest information, you know, everything from how you should approach buying a home in this market in the world we're into today to how to take care and make your backyard be the greatest, happiest place on the planet. But beyond all of that, we're also going to bring you the latest information about how to challenge or what the best approaches might be to creating optimal wellness. Today's show is a combination of good news that we're so eager to share with you. Kathy Cummins is joining us here today, and one of the things she's bringing to the forefront is how Bank of America has come out and has done research to talk about some of the most innovative, creative ways they can talk about making the right decision in home buying today. And so now you'll get some insider information on what this second annual Homebuyer Insights Report says, what are some of the things you should know, and how many people say that they'd rather own than rent. That and some things I didn't even know about, like the old school way of having to put down an enormous amount of money may not be true anymore. And how about those student loans? And then today as well, we're going to be talking about what it is that's happening in the world right now for our beloved pets. What should pet owners know? What is going on in the world in terms of the latest disease that is getting passed forth to our beloved animals that we may or may not know about? And then finally today, you're going to step into the world of looking for happiness and what? Look no further than your own backyard. A new study shows that bringing the indoors out could be the key to a better outlook on life. So we'll be talking about how we do that, what's happening in the way we transform our backyards, and why is that a trend now? It used to be for kids, they would go outdoors and play. Now what's happening? Well, our backyards are being transformed into your own neighborhood playground. So let me just give you a little bit of the information that came out of the Bank of America Homebuyer Insights Report. You're going to hear Kathy talk about it more. Listen to this. Millennials, let's talk about them for a minute. They are buying the house they can afford now 
and are looking ahead to their current dream home in the future. What does that even mean? That means that 68% of millennials say that their current home is a stepping stone. Well, let me just tell you this. That's actually good news because if you go back in time, I remember when I was not a millennial, but of that age, we always looked at that first home as a stepping stone. But what is it that, you know, current home buyers are looking at now that I didn't have to look at? Well, first of all, we had a change in the way owners say their home ownership has, whether it be a positive or negative impact on their financial picture. And today, I will tell you that 79% see it as a positive impact. And I think that is pretty big because, you know, the world we're coming off of right now in terms of home buying, you wouldn't think that that's the way people would feel. But yeah, that's it. And prospective buyers strategically planning for their first home purchase. I know I didn't have that much planning going on. You know, they're looking at how do I pay off my debts? How can I improve my credit score? How can I save for my new home? What can I do to save for retirement? Listen to this. 61% are paying off debts and bills. Another 47% are improving credit scores. 45% are saving for new homes. 39% for retirement. 32% paying off student loans. And then another 28% to pay for their child's education. So here you go. What kind of home do you buy? Do you buy a fixer-upper or do you buy a move-in ready? So listen to what some folks are saying. What best describes the type of home you're looking for? Here we go. How many people are looking for a home they can make major renovations to? Now, I'm going to tell you, this was a little shocking for me because back in the day, I would think, yeah, let's get in a fixer-upper and fix it up. Um, you know what? I think we're going to keep that for the people on the Fixer Upper show because we're talking out a 10% group of people. So is everybody really running out to make major renovations? No, they are not. Uh, First-time buyers, maybe a little bit more than experienced buyers. Experienced buyers are like saying, no, not me. Well, how about making minor cosmetic changes? First-time buyers, a little bit more eager, 39%. But how about having to make improvements only, uh, let's say, minor improvements? Well, I'll tell you, it sounds like people want to move into their homes without making major improvements. I mean, this is just a little bit of the information the Bank of America is bringing forth. There's lots more information that you'll hear from Kathy talking about this today. So that's what happens if you want to get excited about buying a home. But let's say now you have bought your home. What are you going to do with that backyard? What can you learn about it? Well, We have somebody, absolutely, Jeff Wilson, joining us here today, as you're going to hear in a minute, who is going to take us on the journey to how we can create happiness in our own backyard. Listen, you know, he just recently shared and is going to share today a survey by Thompson Water Seal, which recently took place. And here it is. 
he was surprised to learn that 57% of deck owners say their favorite part of the home is that. And is that really a surprise to us? Well, yes and no. I mean, how much time do we spend on our decks? What do we do with it? What have we done to really transform our backyards? The latest report says that people are more likely to spend time in their decks, spend money in their decks than any other place. And I was a little bit shocked about that, thinking, well, wait a minute, it used to be the kitchen, it used to be the bathroom. But what Jeff Wilson is bringing to the table is a whole new perspective on how to bring the family together and how to create this happy space and happy time. So if you're thinking, yeah, it's all about the Barbie, no. Jeff has got some interesting things to share with all of us today. And so if you're wondering, what should you be aware of if here you have bought your home, now you've got this great deck. And what about our pets? That's what Dr. Richard Goldstein is going to talk about. You know, he is Chief Medical Officer at Animal Medical Center in New York City. And his conversation is to say, what should you, all of us who have our amazing pets, our animal friends, what should we now be super, super mindful of? So whether you're sitting on your deck in your brand new home, and now you've got all of this space for all of your animal friends to be in, what do you want to know about that? He's going to share some information on how we can make sure that our animal friends are in the best health possible. So sit back and enjoy as we take a journey into bringing you the best of our good news segments for the month. Miss any shows during the week? Don't worry, we've got you covered. With the free Transformation Talk radio app, you'll have access to all of the past week's shows in the palm of your hand. Tune in to Transformation Talk radio anywhere you go with our free app for any of your devices. Check out our app in the App Store and Google Play Store today. Hey, everyone. You know, the other day we were talking about home ownership. We were talking about buying a home, and I shared an old school story about what my experience has been um, in the search of, uh, yeah, buying that beautiful home. And then many of you called into the show and you asked, well, you know, Pat, you're a little bit older. That's a little old school. We really want to know what's going on now. That's why Kathy Cummins is joining me here today, SVP of Home Ownership Solutions at Bank of America. And thank you for your questions in advance. I know Kathy's going to be thrilled to get them. Uh, Kathy, great great to have you here. Welcome to the show. <laughs> thrilled to be here. Thank you. Well, uh, you know, uh, thank you, first of all, for taking this message out. Number one, uh, there is so much information out there about what millennials or others think about buying a home. And 95% of it is absolutely not true. Um, what... <laughs> 
You're laughing because you know that's true, right? Right, but it, but it's at least ninety five percent. At least, <laughs> um, one of my employees uh, had a conversation about a month ago. Her and her partner about buying a home. Basically, they were told, uh, "Yeah, not in this lifetime." So, give us an update. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Would love to. So, and, and to your point, I mean, people have self-selected out of home ownership over the years because they hear the sound bites that you have to have 20% down. Um, as a matter of fact, our survey results showed that 45% or more um, believe that you have to have 20% down. Um, they believe that you have to have a perfect credit score and that you can't have any student loan debt, and none of that is true. So we have a new product called Affordable Loan Solution that requires just 3% down. And with this 3% down program, um, what you can do is you can um, – uh, it actually goes up to 103% um, combined loan to value, meaning you can use an affordable program that's available in your market. And we have a website to see what programs are available at bankofamerica.com forward slash down payment center. And you can just enter the market, Seattle, Washington, and it'll pop up with all of the different programs that are available. And as a matter of fact, we also have in the Seattle market, um, you know, just really experienced, excited folks to be able to help you out and figure out what um, what your best solution is. You know, let's talk about some of these. Uh, some of the information has come through in the home buyers report. Um, clearly, in the Seattle market, and I'm sure you're aware of this, there is an issue of not enough inventory. We know that at certain mm-hmm. levels. Yep. Um, but that's not always the case. I want to take one thing you said and let's start there. I wish there were a bank that looked at these these young folks that have just gone to school, highly talented, um, and have these school loans. Because I got to tell you, the you know the skinny for these folks is if you have a student loan, forget it. But I heard you say something different. Wouldn't it be great if we can kind of wrap the student loan into a mortgage? But that's just me. Yeah, you know, I, I think that um, that's one of the things that hasn't really been explored as of yet. But what I will tell you is that student loans do not preclude you from getting a mortgage. Oh. So um, I think that the great thing about having student loan debt is if you have that degree, that gives you the earning power to go out and be able to afford not only your student loans, but a mortgage. So um, you can kind of couple those together and just look at and see what fits into your total financial picture. Yeah. What have been, from your perspective, what was some of the more shocking uh, bits of information that came back? You know, what are what are we absolutely off the mark on? Well, what I'm excited to see is that those millennials that pulled the trigger, 68% mm-hmm. of them say that they started with a starter home. So one of the things that we saw in the survey last year is that people were looking for their forever home. And I have this pesky little millennial up in Brooklyn, New York, (laughs) who has been looking for a home for over a year. So when she started, she had this glorious list of features that she was looking for. As she started going to open houses, as she started shopping online to see what's available, she quickly realized that she needed to ratchet that back and start with a starter home. So she has readjusted her um, her list of her must-haves versus likes, like-to-haves. 
And she's she's done probably the, the smartest step, which is met with a lending officer and got a pre-approval. So she knows what she can comfortably afford, and she can go out there with confidence and, and swagger and um, talk to real estate agents and talk to sellers and know exactly what she can do. You know, I don't know um, if you're aware of this, but I will tell you in the Pacific Northwest, not just Seattle, but the greater Seattle area, um, we have some of the highest rental rates. And, uh, you know, I have a friend that's paying $2,000 a month in rental uh, and uh, try to get a, a mortgage. And I think this is also part of the misconception that they have. But you all at Bank of America are really taking a different message out there. I'd love for you to tell us what these steps are that people can learn and not, to, it, you know, it's, you know what it's like? It's like, listen, if somebody says no to you, get a second opinion, right? Oh, Absolutely. And, you know, to your point, uh, when we did the survey, there's 86% of the millennials feel that owning is more affordable than renting. So that really made me go out and get curious as to what actually the, the rental increases are. So I was reading the Consumer Price Index report last night for April, and 3.8% year-over-year increase in rental rates. Yeah. And here in the Charlotte market where I live, yeah. it was over 6%. And so you, when, you're, when you're faced with that, you go, okay, having a fixed monthly payment for principal and interest sounds like a pretty compelling story, right? So, you know, just making sure that people get the correct information, have someone help you with your individual situation, because not everybody's the same. It's not a cookie-cutter process. And one of the things that we highly recommend, um, if you go to HUD.gov, so this is the Housing Urban Development Group, um, part of our federal government. There's a resources section where you can find a HUD-approved housing counseling agency. What they're going to do is give you an objective opinion. They, you know, they, they know the lenders in the market, but they also know the down payment assistance programs that are in the market. And to make that easy on folks, we created a website, bankofamerica.com slash down payment center, where you can go look up and see what programs are available. So we encourage folks to do that. We encourage folks to meet with a lending officer to get pre-approved. And with that pre-approval process, the other thing you're going to get is what's called a loan estimate that you can use to go out and shop and you are going to understand um, all of the closing costs that are associated with a mortgage. So you know exactly what the expectation is for you to bring to the table um, when you go to close that loan. So we're looking for no surprises. I want to ask you this question, you know, and uh, actually my mom was, you know, my family's from Charlotte, even though I have this New York accent. Uh, um, the, the question I want to ask you is the emotional side of this. You know, there's nothing more when I look at my lifetime, there's nothing more important than what home buying meant to me, what it meant to my parents, what it still means to me. Is that translating to the younger generations as well? 
Oh, without a doubt. I mean, there's there's definitely a financial component, but there's an emotional component as well. And I think that you're going to see as you read through the report that, that people are embracing the decision that they made to become homeowners because of that reason. And, you know, in Seattle, I know that you're in a very competitive market. There's limited inventory for mm-hmm. affordable um, properties, et cetera. And I was out there a couple months ago and met with our sales manager. And, you know, one of the things that I recommend in hot markets like Seattle is before you even go shopping, say you get approved for um, $400,000. So we'll just yeah. throw that out there. Mm-hmm. If you get approved for 400000 maybe ratchet that back to looking for something in the 380, 390 area because you may find yourself getting into a bidding war. On yeah. property. So there's nothing worse than falling in love with a property that you see, putting in an offer, getting a counter offer, and you can no longer afford it. So just, you know, make sure that you understand the market. And that's what a good realtor and a good lending officer are going to help you do as well. You know, I will say this about this market. We do have some excellent realtors that are so um, emotionally connected to the needs of their clients. Um, you know, I want I want to ask you this question: um, What was the most important aspect of you know what Bank of America, what you all went out and sought to do, and what you actually discovered? So, what we sought to do, what we're trying to do with the Homebuyer Insights Report, is understand where what people are thinking where they are in the process and then with that information what we're doing are things like this getting out the correct information getting out accurate information you don't have to have 20 percent down you can put three percent down Mm. Um, just making sure that the accurate information and the tools that we offer are made available so that people can go learn and become confident in the decision and, you know, quite honestly, to um, feel comfortable that they've got the knowledge they need to make the right decision for their individual situation. Yeah. The other thing you also mentioned, maybe you can touch upon it because I also think it's a myth um, at some level is, um, uh, you know, credit scores are not necessarily like GRE scores, but there is an idea that if they're not like way up there, don't even look. Absolutely. That's that's such a misnomer. I mean, you know, 850 is the highest credit score. Um, the program I, I spoke to you about, Affordable Loan Solution, um, actually coming this weekend, it's going to be 660 as your minimum mm-hmm. FICO score. Right now it's 680. After this weekend, it's going to it's going to drop down to 660. And the reason for that is we really wanted to dip our toe in the water instead of doing a full dive, just making sure that you know we were comfortable with yeah. um, where where people were and making sure that the performance is exactly what we expected. Wow, Kathy, thank you so much for today. I have one last question. Again, let folks know how they can find out more about this and what's your personal message. What would you like to leave everybody with? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. So if you want information on the Homebuyer Insights Report, you can go to bankofamerica.com slash report. If you want to speak to a lending officer to get pre-approved, you can go to bankofamerica.com slash mortgage or call 866-466-0979. If you want to see what down payment programs are available, it's bankofamerica.com slash down payment center. And most importantly, what I would say is don't self-select out of homeownership. 
Um, make sure that you have the facts, understand what is best for your personal situation. Um, go to HUD.gov and find a housing counseling agency that's going to give you objective advice. Get yourself pre-approved and make sure that you understand um, the full cost of home ownership. I love it. Thank you so much for all that you're doing. A very important message. Really, it is a message of hope for so many people that want to follow in their parents' footsteps. So thank you so much for all of that, Kathy. Thank you, Dr. Patton. You have a great day. You too. Thank you, everyone. We'll be right back. Wow. Hey, everyone. Welcome. Uh, Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I'm telling you, I got to pinch myself some days because when each of us gets called to do something that we so not thought was in our wheelhouse to do for a purpose that's so much greater than us, we get to show up and shine. If you would like to show up and shine on the Dr. Pat Show as a co-host or sponsor, send us an email to inspire at thedrpatshow.com. Hey, everyone. I am so thrilled to have Dr. Richard Goldstein joining us here today, Chief Medical Officer, Animal Medical Center in New York City. And why? Because it's getting close to getting hot time in the summer. And this show is about what you need to know about the latest protection your pet needs this summer. So, what, what is it about Dr. Goldstein that he's going to share with us? Well, he has a life and a history of bringing this level of awareness to the forefront so that we clearly understand how he and others are wanting to save lives of our animal friends. Today, Dr. Goldstein, with many, many credentials to to his esteem, is joining us here today, not just to talk about what we know, but to talk about what we can do. Dr. Goldstein is currently the chief medical officer at the Animal, Animal Medical Center in New York City, graduated from the Koret School of Veterinary Medicine in Israel in 1993 and finished his residency in small animal internal medicine at UC Davis in 98. You know, prior to joining the AMC, Dr. Goldstein was a faculty member at Cornell University College of Veterinary Medicine and Department of Clinical Sciences. Most recently, he served as an associate professor of small animal medicine and chief of the medicine service. He is board certified in small animal internal medicine by both the American College of Veterinary Internal Medicine and the European College of Veterinary Internal Medicine Companion Animals. Dr. Goldstein, thank you so much for joining us here today. Um, You know, let's talk about what pet owners may or may not know. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, what is it that we're so mindful of about our pets? But uh, recently, there have been new areas for concern, and you are out in the forefront of this. Tell us a little bit about this. So the, we're here to talk about infectious diseases this morning, yep. and I, I guess I, I I wonder what you know people never know enough. Uh, yeah. People, you know, people don't have to know everything. They have to know really when to talk, when to talk to their veterinarian is the most important thing. But awareness about what they could do to protect their dogs and 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 what they and what what signs to look for, I think, is the key. 
Um, and they cannot know enough about that. that that's really, really, really important. Um, today we're talking about a disease called leptospirosis, which is a disease um, that is really common in the um, Pacific Northwest. It uh, always has been. And, and interestingly, it's spread a little bit differently in, in the Seattle area. Um, it, it's spread by rodents all over the country and mm-hmm. it's spread by rodents in Seattle. But actually, the, the sea lions are a main culprit um, in, the, in the Pacific Northwest as well. And you know the sea lions that urinate in puddles on the on the beaches uh, contribute to this disease out there too. So it's really interesting that it's it's not just rats and 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 uh, my, um, sorry um, other rodents like like in the east or or the Midwest, but it's actually the sea lions are, are a big culprit of it. And it, it, the disease is a bacterial disease that is carried in the kidneys of these mammals and then shed through their urine into puddles. And, and then when a dog comes and, and, and licks the water or gets the water splashed in his eye, or a person, uh, there's plenty of left-wing people out in that area, especially in the islands off of uh, off the coast. Uh, when, when people get it splashed in their eye or in their mouth, um, that's when they get really sick. And, and in both people and dogs, it can be devastating and even fatal if not caught early and treated. Wow. Um, you know, I mean, this is one of those uh, those things that, you know, we don't know what we don't know. Um, right. And, you know, Absolutely. this is really to really ask, know what the right questions are to ask, uh, because we're not just talking about, oh, wait a minute, you know, my 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 pet friend is going to have a small little rash or, oh, gee, maybe a little sniffle. You know, we're really talking about something that's pretty serious. Oh, it's, it could not be more serious. This is definitely life and death. And people and dogs, it's 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 cannot be more serious. And and at least in dogs, it's it's really easy to prevent. You know that 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 that's the most important thing. Um, dogs can be vaccinated for this disease, and the vaccines are are really safe. They're very efficacious, um, and they prevent 99% of the, or, or, or at least of, of the infections. And so, um, that is a question of of awareness. You know, talk to your veterinarian. Is my dog vaccinated? Is my dog protected against leptospirosis? If the answer is yes, great. If the answer is no then we need to get that done because not only can dogs get really sick, they can also even spread it to people um, in, in the family. So it's, it's, a, it's a really important thing for people to know about and to make sure they're, they're getting their dogs protected. Well, you know, what have you seen in, in sort of the mishaps with this? Um, and, you know, what I mean by mishaps with this is that people that don't know end up with not having the right questions, not getting the the right diagnosis. And, you know, the question is, before you know it, you've got your animal friend that's pretty sick. What, what are, right. what's, what's on your top three things for owners to really be focusing on? I think people in general, and not just for this disease, but in general, um, need to kind of learn the normal behavior, the normal patterns of their pets, you know? Um, some dogs skipping a meal once in a while, no big deal. Some dogs, they skip one meal. That's really, really bad. So know, you, know your pet, um, just like you know yourself. And then when anything is abnormal, time to talk to the veterinarian. Specifically for this disease, for leptospirosis, what happens when they get it is a few days after, infe- after they get infected, they'll start feeling sick. They'll, they'll feel lethargic, so kind of depressed. They won't want to eat. Um, they might vomit. They might feel and look painful, so kind of hunched up. Um, and they might start drinking more and urinating more. If, if, they, if you notice any of those things, um, it's important to talk to the veterinarian right away because with, if they do get this disease, if they do contract these bacteria, um, the most important thing is early detection, early recognition of the disease, and then early treatment and appropriate treatment. 
And so um, go to your veterinarian. The veterinarian will do an exam. We'll run some tests. The good news is specifically for leptospirosis is we have a brand new test on the market now um, that is can pick the disease up really early and it's run in the clinic. So if your veterinarian will suspect leptospirosis and they have this test, it's called Witness Lepto. It's a, uh, made by a company called Zoetis. Um, if they have this test in their clinic, um, they can run the test and in 10 minutes they'll have an answer uh, whether the dog has leptospirosis uh, or not. Um, within a few days after infection, we'll start seeing the test turning positive. And so in that case, the veterinarian will be able to pick the right antibiotics, they'll be able to treat the dog and, and everything will be fine. If it's missed, if you don't go to veterinarian time or it's not tested for, um, that's when we get into trouble. That's when we get into these fulminant <laughs> liver failure, kidney failure cases that is really hard at that point to, to, to bring them back. Yeah. And, you know, this is something that a couple simple questions, I would imagine, couldn't help. And how often should people check? I mean, you know, one of the things that I that I'm really, really clear about with some of this is that, you know, we have a new level of awareness for Lyme disease, let's say. Um, mm-hmm, and of mm-hmm. course, you know, we do a show, Lime Talk Radio, which we're actually doing a live Facebook show today. Um, but this Great. is one That's of the, fantastic. yeah, exactly, right? I mean, what a journey we've taken with Lyme disease, right? Um, yep. This is, again, one of those areas where we all need to be acutely aware and know the questions to ask. Tell me how you all are helping. I know these radio shows that you're doing are fantastic. Um but, you know, there are other ways that people can learn about this, other ways people, mm-hmm. you know, can find out more about it, especially if we kind of spread this around on social media. Yes, exactly. And, and, and you know, Lyme disease um, does get a lot of press, which is, which is wonderful because it is by far the most common disease in people and in dogs that we see transmitted by ticks. Um, and, and the awareness for Lyme is... is is tremendous, and uh, which is really helpful because people understand now that they need to make sure yeah. that they remove ticks from themselves and their children yeah. and their dogs, and they need to make sure they're using products that kill ticks on their dogs, um, and they need to make sure, specifically for Lyme, that they get their dogs vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, and there's also wonderful vaccines uh, for Lyme. The same company, the Zoetis company, makes a really good vaccine for Lyme as well. Yeah. Um, that type of campaign um, needs to happen for leptospirosis as well. Yeah. But, you know, it's not as the numbers are not as large in the human population to kind of drive that um, for, from human health side, but from the veterinary side, in my opinion, um, leptospirosis is the number one disease that we see in terms of death of dogs um, and severe disease of dogs. Lyme disease is more common by far, but the dogs dying, they actually die more of leptospirosis than from Lyme, but it doesn't get the same kind of press that Lyme does. So we're trying, we're trying to raise awareness. I've been working on this disease for about 20 years trying to raise awareness with veterinarians, first of all, to make sure they understand the clinical signs, make sure they have the appropriate tests, and make sure they're going to vaccinate every dog in their practice. And then people need to understand it as well and need to understand that this is an important disease that can happen. They need to talk to the veterinarian, make sure their dogs are vaccinated, and then understand the early signs and make sure they see the veterinarian quickly when that develops. Uh, more information can be uh, obtained by the veterinarian. My first um, recommendation is always talk to your veterinarian. They'll be happy to talk about this disease, be happy to talk about the options they have for protection in terms of vaccination. Um, There's good information on the website uh, of the practice that I work at, the Animal Medical Center in New York. Um, It's www.amcny.org, amcny.org. 
org, and then Zoetis, the company that makes the test and also that really good um, vaccine for Lyme and Lepto, um, has good information for leptospirosis specifically. Their website is zoetisus z o e t i s u s dot com slash lepto. Um, so. There's other resources out there as well, and, and I appreciate you doing this because I think that raising awareness is, is the beginning, and, and uh, after that, everything falls in place. Well, and you know, for, for most of us that, you know, I, I was born and raised in New York City, grew up in New Jersey, you know, recently, um, you know, now I'm on the West Coast. And whether you're on the East Coast, West Coast, or any place in between, you know, the one thing that families and, and, and pet owners will tell you is that they are so absolutely in tune and attached to their animal friends. And so, yep. you know, the idea of not knowing about about this just it absolutely makes them crazy and and this is really the knowledge that they're asking for absolutely and and you know the more time um, we as veterinarians get to spend with our clients uh, the better and, and these are discussions that we have to have with every puppy that comes into the practice you know there's a long list of things that we need to talk about um, tick-borne diseases like Lyme is one thing yeah. but other diseases like leptospirosis is, is something else and it's it's really important to, to to make sure that people understand because you're right they want to know and they want to make sure they're doing yeah. the right thing for their family members. Yeah, and when they don't know and they don't find out, um, they are literally enraged. And I think what you're doing is to bring the conversation to the forefront. Um, you know, one one last question I'd like to really ask you about is. Sure. What are folks saying when you bring this conversation conversation to the forefront? Uh, are people kind of like you know, kind of like me, like what? I didn't know this existed. Yeah, I mean, veterinarians know what veterinarians don't. Mm -hmm. Oh, has not always known is how common it is. We haven't had in the past really good tests, and so it, it becomes very difficult to know how prevalent disease is when there's not a good way to diagnose it. That's gone now with this new test that just came out. So hopefully the test will also help to raise awareness. Uh, the vaccines also have gotten much, much better in the last 15 years to the point where they're extremely safe and extremely efficacious. And so there's, there's some education on the veterinarian side as well, but people don't know. This is not a disease that people know about, even though tens of thousands of people get this disease worldwide and thousands die worldwide every year. It's, you know, it's just not happening in Connecticut. So it doesn't get the press that Lyme gets, All um, right. but it's happening in, in third world countries. And so it's a really important um, disease to talk about. And, and, and the more we do, the, the better. Yeah. And, and I completely understand people want to know knowledge is power. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a very good reason why it doesn't get the press that Lyme does on on the East Coast is because, I mean, that, you know, Lyme disease on the East Coast, we're, we're not talking about, you know, one out of every, uh, what is the statistic, 300 people. If you live anywhere in Connecticut, yep. you have entire yep. neighborhoods. Um, I, I, I didn't think that this exists. I just think it's taken a second seat. And the, once the layers are pulled back, I think you're going to see this emerge. I mean, it's hard for me to imagine it not. Um, but I want to yeah. thank you for everything you're doing. And I want to oh, ask you, you what your personal message is. And thank you so much for getting out there with this. Thank, thank you very much. And I, I appreciate you doing it as well. My personal message is, um, again, Know your dog, know your cat, know your pets, and anything that, that's out of ordinary, please talk to your veterinarian. That's the, our biggest, as a professional, our biggest plea would be, let's try to catch things early. 
let's be, and let's be proactive about veterinary medicine. Let's use preventative medicine. You know, let us let us vaccinate your dogs. Uh, let us do blood tests and and on on healthy dogs as they age. Preventative medicine is the best medicine. Um, and, and the more we do, the more we'll be able to prevent these diseases from ever happening. And then if they do happen, we can catch them early. So, so that, that's the key. Don't just wait until your dog or cat looks like they can't walk anymore before going to the vet. Let's yeah. be proactive. Let's use preventative and wellness. Yeah. And how about this message? Please be persistent with your vet, right? You know, please be persistent. Keep asking questions. <laughs> uh, we love questions. Oh, we love I know. questions. Definitely. Oh, I know. Thank you so very much for all that you do, um, everyone. Thank we're going to be we're going to be uh, sharing a lot more information about this. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Did you know that all of the shows on the Transformation Radio Network are available as podcasts to stream or download? Really? Check us out. Go to transformationradio.fm. We have business shows, spiritual shows, energy healing shows, and pretty much everything in between. Something for everyone guaranteed to inspire, educate, and transform. We are transforming the world one listener at a time. everybody. We have got an exciting show for you today. We're going to kick it off by looking at a new study uh, that shows bringing the indoors out could be the key to a better outlook on life. And joining me here today is Jeff Wilson. More than 25 years of home building and remodeling experience. He's the host of HGTV Dream Home, which I love. And he's joining us here today to talk about what does the study say, but why this is such an important trend happening right now. Uh, Jeff, it's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Nice talking with you. Listen, this is kind of interesting. Some of us that are a little old school uh, that remember the day when we had a really, really small house in a in a really Italian neighborhood. Uh, one of the best times we can ever remember wasn't in our living room. Outside of the kitchen, it was outdoors. Are we bringing that back? You know what? It's funny that, but but all the good ideas make you know make it back around eventually, don't they? Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, spending spending time outside with family and friends. Um, you know, it's interesting. This study that that you mentioned, uh, Thompson's Water Seals did it. Actually, they asked uh, a survey, asked a bunch of people, not just you know, we didn't. It wasn't just uh, the dollars and cents, but it also included how people feel about their outdoor spaces, and which is really important. Um, we found that 57 percent of the people that we talked to said that their outdoor space was one of the most important parts of their house, and 62 percent of those people said they felt better after they'd spent time on their deck. So, you know, that really speaks to the fact that there's, there's some connection that we have that's vital for our well-being to spend time outdoors, you know, with family and friends. Um, I mean, you know, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely uh, something good for our pocketbook, too. Um, we found 41% of the people that, that they talked to uh, said that, they, that it was a, the deck was a big factor in buying the home that they bought. So um, that says something about, you know, about the, the, the sort of return on investment. But for me, yeah. the, real, the real meat of it is that, you know, what, you're, getting, you're getting something better out of your life by spending time outdoors. I know that of my family, we spend a lot of time outdoors. 
a lot of time in our outdoor space together or entertaining. Um, my wife jokes that the screen and porch we put on is, uh, you know, with, with better money spent than if we'd spent it on marriage counseling. Because yeah. we sit in there all the time, you know, <laughs> a cup of coffee in the, in the morning, a glass of wine at night, and we just talk. So there's a big benefit to slowing down, being outdoors, being, you know, being in some nature no matter how, even if you're in town. So Yeah, um, and I important. think one of the things, too, that is is so important is the idea that we have about looking at um, – when people go to buy a home, they're looking, well, wait a minute, it doesn't have a deck, but it has a potentiality of a deck. And that's what I find fascinating. Well, you know, this study opens up uh, a number of different conversations. The first one that, you know, it opens up for me is, yeah, it's great to be out there. But now we're looking at the the value that it's adding to homes. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, you know, we always see in these studies about value that we think about curb appeal, you know, the front of the house, how people look at the first impression. We think about, everybody always talks about kitchens and baths. And, you know, honestly, we found that decks are right up there with investments like kitchens and baths. And people are making major decisions about buying and selling homes based on what the outdoor space looks like. So let's say you've got two, two houses that are identical and one of them has a really nice outdoor space and the other doesn't. Um, you know, I, I guess, you know, a large percentage of people are going to look at their, uh, that outdoor space as a, as a major asset. And, uh, and they're likely, more likely to go for that home than they are for the home without the space. So, you know, when it, when it comes down, when it comes down to it, you're competing, uh, in selling your home with, with other people who are trying to sell their homes and, and having the best outdoor space. Hey, you know, you get the daily benefit of what it does for your well-being, but, the long-term benefit of, of being able to sell your home when it comes time, that's important too. Yeah. You know, um, little, little, little things that are so important right now. You know, there's another study that was done, uh, in, you know, not part of this study, but it talked about the value of what you're bringing to the table here for moms. And I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, sure. We're finding more and more moms are very protective of their children. And the idea of really doing what you're saying here, bringing the, out, bringing the indoors out, is seriously important at many, many, many levels. And, you know, the question that I want to ask is, you know, what other kinds of things that came up in this study? And the question that moms do ask is, okay, does that mean I have to, uh, you know, hold back on my shopping here at the mall because the deck right. is going to put me into a different tax bracket? Yeah, or right, something? right. Well, you know, and, I, and it, yeah, you know, it's interesting because, you know, we have found that, that it is moms who make a lot of the decisions, a lot of the designs of decisions about the homes, and, um, and they do have to balance those sorts of things. Um, and, and, you know, you don't have to spend a lot of money to have a great outdoor space. The outdoor space, I'm actually standing on my deck right now. We've got a break in the rain here in southeastern Ohio, and, uh, and the deck that we have um, is completely do-it-yourself. My wife and I together over many years, have we first designed it carefully? I tell people use your brain first. You know, make a sensible design. Don't just build the biggest thing you can build and put yourself into debt for it, and then have to take care of it for the rest of its days. Build something that makes sense. How will you use the space? Right? I mean, how will you? Are you going to dine? You're going to entertain lots of people. Are you just going to use it with your family? Or maybe it's really just a space for a couple. Don't overbuild because you do then have to take care of that into you know into the future. 
So, um, and we do bring the indoors out, and we have separate rooms. Like I said, we have our we have our our, our screen porch, which serves as our, our marriage counseling. We have the outdoor <laughs> kitchen. We have a dining space. We have living areas. But you can design those things and not break the bank. For example, I mean, I built an outdoor kitchen by myself, and it took you know took a couple of years, and it's got concrete countertops and all the all the bells and whistles. But it didn't cost me very much money because I did it by hand, and I learned the skills. Uh, to do that over time, but you don't need to do that. You could have a grill. You could add, uh, let's say, a standing cooler, like kind of a retro standing cooler on one side, and um, maybe a little uh, tray or food cart sort of uh, side um, to, to put your pan, pots and pans on or serve food on. You know, you can create the spaces on a lot less money than huge hardscapes um, require. Um, also, I tell people, like, in terms of decorating and accessorizing uh, we use a lot of found objects. When we hike um, in the desert southwest or in, in the mountains, we've picked up uh, you know, enormous pine cones from a ponderous of pine, and we've got stones, interesting-looking stones and rocks that we've found and you know, baskets of shells from trips to the beach that we've made. And so those things not only are free, but um, they also sort of they spark memories about good times that you've had, and, and, and they're right there as part of your aesthetic. So, man, you can use lighting. It, these days, outdoor lighting, just simple string lighting or paper lanterns um, can really bring ambiance to a space um, as the sun goes down. Uh, that's, that's very inexpensive. Um, and uh, even things like, uh, oh, sound. People don't think about sound, but these days a, an inexpensive Bluetooth speaker and your smartphone and a streaming service, and you can put in, I don't know, we like to put in, I don't know if you know Edith Piaf. She was like a French singer. In the yeah, film. yeah, I know. In, totally familiar with that. Yeah, you put, put her name in as a channel, and you get this wonderful evening of, of nostalgic music, and or or you put in uh, the social club for Cuban, and you get an interesting ambiance to the night. Um, so those are things that don't really really cost anything. The, the last thing I tell people is the do-it-yourself aspect. You know, moms are perfectly capable. I can tell you, my wife is a big do-it-yourselfer. She can she does all the has all the same skills that I have, and um, and things like maintaining your deck over time. Once you build a space, let's say even if you didn't spend a lot of money on it, you spent a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And you want to maintain that space over time so you don't have to replace it early, but also so it's beautiful and you, you're proud to have it. Um, the maintaining part isn't that difficult. Uh, and, it, and I'll just say, like with most wood decks, it, they need to be cleaned and then recoated with a waterproofer or waterproofing stain every few years. Um, but it's a job that really anybody, it doesn't take a lot of muscle, anybody can do. You use a, an off-the-shelf cleaner. Um, like a deck cleaner, I say don't use a pressure washer. You can actually damage a deck with a pressure washer. Plus oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. So you use an off-the-shelf cleaner. You put it in a pump-up plastic garden sprayer, $10 item. You spray it on a, uh, maybe a 5x5 five five or 10x10 10 10 area of your deck that you can work in a, in a 15 to 20-minute period. You let it sit for 15 to 20 minutes. It kind of eats at the stain and kills the mold and mildew and the dirt and all that stuff. You brush it, brush it with a stiff bristle plastic brush on a pole doesn't have to take a lot of a muscle because the cleaner does most of the work. And then you spray it really well with a garden hose and, and spray all that off. Then you wait a couple of days, and you coat it with something like, uh, well, we use a lot of uh, Thompson's Water Seal waterproofing stain, which is a great product because it's, it's available at the Home Depot. It's, uh, it's available in five colors. It's available in different opacities, which means, like, you can, get a, you can get a transparent stain that has a little color. You can get a semi-transparent that adds color. So if you have an older deck and you kind of want to cover up some blemishes, or you can go, if you have a really old deck, you can go with a solid stain. But you can choose a color and an opacity. And then all of these products, the Thompson Water Seal products, are one coat. So whereas it may take me, say, four to six hours to clean my deck, it only takes me about an hour and a half to coat my deck. And then it's just gorgeous. You know, it's a, I use a paint pad 
and uh, and I can do it most of the time standing up if I put a pole on the paint pad. So then you wait for it to dry four to six hours, maybe overnight to put your furniture on. And, and that's another thing. I mean, when you maintain the deck, you're also beautifying it. So I step back from it, you know, I look at the project and I think I'm pretty proud of myself, you know. <laughs> I'm ready to have people over and ready to enjoy it all over again. Yeah, I mean, I, certainly it does bring back, it does bring back some incredible memories. But the other thing that I think you're talking about is something that has lasting value. You know, mm-hmm. there are many ways that we can invest in our homes, but there are very few ways that we can bring the family together uh, because of that investment. Um, you know. Let me ask you this question. Many people right now are looking at buying decisions. How do I buy a home? Um, what's the most important thing to think about? You know, for you in this study, d- does this really, you know, score way up there with like the remodeled kitchen? You know, they, they do. That was the surprising part. Like I said, 41% of the people that we talked yeah. to, and that's a the big percentage said that, you know, this deck made a difference in me buying this home. Yeah. So, um, you know, they do hold their value. Now, the, the trick here is that you really do need to care for the, the you know, it's, it's more difficult to care for an outdoor space than it is to care for an indoor space just because everything's exposed to the weather, right? So, um, and that's, that's really the key. If you, if you overbuild, like I said before, and then you let it go, you know, let the deck go, it could actually fail 10 years or a whole decade earlier than it would have had you just taken care of it every few years. You can add 10 years of life to a deck. My cedar deck is 12 years old right now. Um, it looks great. I mean, uh, because I've coated it, I've, I've cleaned it every few years and put a new uh, uh, waterproofing stain on it. Um, it, it, it looks really good. So I hope that it will last at least 25 years. It may last more like 30 or 35 because I've taken care of it diligently. Awesome. You know, uh, thank you. First of all, thank you for joining us here today. And I know that the study really talked about many, many things. What, were there any surprises to you? Well, you know, I, I have to say my, my surprise was that I know in my family how much we value the space, you know, how much we value having a meal outside, how much we value, you know, like the time my wife and I spent together, how much we value what well, we just put in a, a you know, a, 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 an $80 fire ring in the backyard using you know, $2 pavers from, uh, from the home center. Um, you know, that, that space is a new space where we're going to spend even more time together. I knew that we valued those things, but I was, re- I was really surprised to find out that a lot of Americans um, value the same thing. We may, we may enjoy our outdoor spaces in different ways. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's a family outside together. Maybe it's a group of people who are uh, being, uh, you know, we, we like to cook gourmet meals yeah. and feed our friends, have long conversations. Or maybe it's just a space where mom sits down with a book and has a nice tea, you know, uh, at some point to, to relax. I mean, it's, uh, all, I, you, you will find that, that, that more people than not um, really get something more out of their outdoor space than just enjoying it. It's actually a part of their well-being. It's a part of their health and well-being. Oh, awesome. I thank you so much. I know you're super busy doing these, having these conversations. And, you know, I have one last question for you. And so thank you so much for all that you do. And by the way, I love the show. What, what's your personal message? You know, what do you want to say to folks today? Huh. Um, well, I guess I, I guess I would say that, uh, you know, see, our lives change over time. You know, people come and go. I just, uh, I, I sent the daughter off to college recently. And, uh, but, when the family can get together, um, that's, that's a really important thing. And friends are, are really important to me as well. So I, I would just say that people shouldn't pass up those opportunities. And, 
And uh, the, the feeling that I get from having built, worked on my house um, and, and uh, worked on my outdoor space, I have a, a sense of personal accomplishment, um, but it's also uh, an accomplishment that I've, I've done with my wife, and then it turns into something that brings us together with the people who matter to us most. So I would say to people, don't, don't wait to do those things. You know, get, get to work on designing your outdoor space and, and realize that the, while it may be a lot of work, it's, it's really satisfying and rewarding work, and it leads to, um, just leads to a better life. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Uh, thank you for all of the above. And uh, boy, keep doing the good things you're doing. <laughs>